This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Page 357 He and his life-giving emanations are one the lights or the sephora, which like souls animate the vessels kilim, of the sephora and are not merely connected to Hashem, they are actually one with Him. He and His causations are one in them. The vessels kilim, which emanate from Hashem and which like bodies to souls serve as receptors to the light <coughs> of the sephora are one with him. In them, in the Sephora, example in the Sephora, that is, in the ten Sephora of Atsiva. His life-giving emanations, these are the lights, the orot of the Sephora. And his causations, these are the vessels, the kilim of the Sephora. They are all one with the infinite, ein Sof, light, for they are divinity. This is not the case of the world of Berea, Yitzira and Asiya, and so on. In the lower worlds, the Kilim of the Sephora, as well as a distinct measure of the Orot, are not the divinity, but created beings. He quotes the Tikkuni Zohar. This is what we say. We say it on Mincha Friday before, before Mincha. We say it in our prayer books. Before the Mincha, we quote Eliyahu. Elijah the prophet, this is written in the Tikkun Zohar. And he starts out that Hashem and his life are one. Hashem and his causations are one. And he says, he, he doesn't say Hashem and his life and his causations are one. He says Hashem and his life are one. Hashem and his causations are one. And he explains what does it mean Hashem and His life are one? And what does it mean Hashem and His causations are one? So it's referring to, you have the light, what the Kabbalah calls the light, the ten lights, the ten spherot, and this, you have the vessels, the kalim, the vessels, which are like the body and the soul. So that's what he means, Hashem and His life are one, meaning Hashem and His lights are one, the light emanating from Hashem are one and inseparable. And he says separately and apart, Hashem and his causations and the body of the Svirot, the ten Svirot, the ten vessels are also one. And he separates the two because the unity between Hashem and this light, so to speak, the light that emanates from Hashem, which is the light of the vessels, and the Hashem's unity with the vessels, it's not the same unity. 
And the analogy is like in the human body. We could say that the soul and the body are one. Even though the body is not the soul. When the person dies, the body is there. The body remains. It doesn't disappear. When the soul is gone, the body doesn't disappear. So the body is a separate entity from the soul. The body is not just a manifestation of the soul. That's just a projection of the soul. It has an independent existence. When the soul departs, when the soul leaves after 120, the body doesn't just disappear, leave with the soul. The body remains. So the body has a separate entity from the soul. But what's a body without a soul? What's a corpse? A piece of clay. When the soul unites with the body, the body is alive. All 100 trillion cells are alive. You can tell the difference between a corpse and a body, a live person. The body is not just a machine. The soul is not like an engine, like your car is an engine. The soul is the engine of the body. And the soul moves the body. Not so. The machine and the engine are two separate things. The body is not just a machine. If someone cuts your finger, you hurt. You feel the pain. The body is alive. When your body is in pain, you're in pain. Your soul is in pain. They become inseparable. I don't know where the soul ends and the body begins. Or the body ends and the soul begins. The body-soul become the body-soul connection. It's a wondrous connection. It's a, we don't understand it, but we feel it, we sense it. It's, we become one, inseparable. The body becomes alive. The body becomes part of the soul. Inseparable. So much so, the moment you desire to move, your body automatically moves. It's like a machine, you have to tell your hand, okay, now I want you to move. The body is so in tune with the soul that the moment you desire to move, the body moves. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to consciously think about it. It's automatic. That's how tuned in the body is with the soul. The body and the soul become one and separate. The body is completely egoless. It doesn't have a separate ego identity. It's not like the body worships the soul or the body obeys the soul. Or the body is religious and is faithful to the soul. The body is the soul. Inseparable. It's automatic. A healthy body is completely unselfconscious. When was the last time you felt your body? When you walk down the street, you feel like a bag of bones and blood. And you're completely unselfconscious. A living person is lighter. God forbid you have to carry a coffee, you have to carry a dead person. That person is heavy. Dead weight, as we call it, dead weight. A light person, a healthy person, a, a person who's alive, it's light. The body carries itself. It's like you're part of the soul. Completely unselfconscious. You don't feel yourself. If you feel a part of your body, it means you're sick. Something is wrong. So he's saying that not only 
is the light of the tenth spherot, the divine energy, the light of the tenth spherot, is one with Hashem, because it's Hashem's light. It's godly, it's divine. But even the body, so to speak, the vessel, is also one with Hashem. It's also godly. Even though you can, how could it's a body? It's it's you're talking about the ten spherot, the body of a ten spherot, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. These are all very defined. How could you say it's one with Hashem? It's just like the body becomes one and inseparable from the soul. So too, the body of the spherot are one with Hashem. Even though it's not. Just like the body is not the soul, but when the body is alive, it becomes one and inseparable with Hashem. So too, you can't say Hashem is wisdom, Hashem is understanding, Hashem is knowledge, Hashem is love, Hashem is strength, Hashem is compassion. You can't say any of that in relationship to Hashem. But nevertheless, when Hashem's light animates these vessels, it becomes one with Hashem, inseparable from Hashem a part of Hashem. For example, when you say that the soul thinks, right? And you think in words, you're thinking. Now, does anyone, will anyone say that the soul is thought? Thought, in a way, is like a garment to the soul. It's not the soul. The soul is beyond thought. Even before you were born, the soul exists. The soul continues to exist after, after, you, after you die. The soul, thought is just like a garment, an expression of the soul. So it's like a body to the soul. It's like a garment to the soul, a body to the soul. But nevertheless, who is thinking? It's the soul that's thinking. <laughs> it's not separate from the soul. So it's an expression of the soul. So when you say Hashem's wisdom... Of course you can't say Hashem is wisdom. Hashem is beyond wisdom. But it's Hashem's wisdom. So it's an expression of Hashem. It's a godly expression. It's Hashem. It's not something that's created. It's not something that's apart from Hashem. Just like when, you, when the soul thinks. Could you say the soul is thought? The soul is way beyond thought. But nevertheless, it's the soul that's thinking. The thinking is not something separate from the soul. It's the soul that's expressing itself through thinking. There's nothing here other than the soul. So it's an expression of the soul. So too, could you say that vessels are Hashem? But when Hashem's light becomes one with the vessel, it's Hashem, it's an expression of God. It's godly wisdom. It's godly love. It's godly compassion. All of the tenths we wrote. So even the vessels really are inseparable and one with Hashem. They're godly. Not like the worlds that were created after the world of emanation. The world of Bria, starting with Bria, creation, formation, and action. Those worlds, the vessels of these worlds, and not only the vessels of these worlds, even as we're going to learn later, even the Nefesh Ruach, the levels of energy of these worlds, are created. They're separate. It's not Hashem. It's separate from Hashem. Versus the world of emanation... Not only is the light one with Hashem, but even the vessels that are separate. And that's why he doesn't say the light 
Hashem and His light and the vessels are one. You can't say the light and the vessels in the same sentence. Hashem and the light, the light emanates from the, like the light of the sun emanates from the sun. So it's connected to the sun. So the light of the energy and the light of the ten Sfirot is one with Hashem. But even the vessels, you can't say in the same sentence, Hashem and His light and the vessels are one because the vessels are separate. It's like the body and the soul, it's two separate entities. So even the vessels that contain the light, that are separate from the light, but the vessels of the world of Atzillus, of the world of emanation, are also godly, are also an expression of Hashem, an extension of Hashem. Don't the vessels actually come from the same light that the light comes from? No. No. The vessels are not just a projection of the light. Just like the body. Is the body just a projection of the soul? No. Because then when the soul departs, the body would vanish, disappear. So the, the body is not just a projection of the soul. The body has a reality of itself. It has a different source than the soul. It's just that when the soul comes into the body, they completely merge and become one and inseparable. So too, the vessels of the world of Atsilas wisdom, understanding, and all these very defined and very defined vessels also have its own source. It's not just a projection of the light. You would think it's just a projection of the light. For example, you have an idea, right? You have a concept. That's the light, the the raw concept. Then you have the words with which you explain the concept, describe the concept. You put it into words. These are like the vessels. The words are the vessels that help you contain this idea. Now, when you're thinking of the raw concept, you don't yet have the vessels, the words, to describe and explain. But the words are there. In a certain sense, you can say the words are just a, a manifestation of the, of the light. It's just an expression of the light. The words perfectly match this idea. So these words is like the concretization of this idea, it's the manifestation of this idea, it's the projection of this idea. But it's much more than that. The ability to put something into words has its own source. As we learned in the second part of the Tanya, it has its own source. The ability of vessels, the idea to be able to define and to be able to limit and to be able to contain and receive has a whole different source than the ability to transmit, the ability to give off light, the ability to give. It has its own source. Just like the body has its own source, independent of the soul. It's not just a manifestation of the soul, a projection of the soul. So too, even in the world of emanation, the body has its own, has its own source. And that's why he says, he calls them asar tikkunin, he calls the svirot, the ten tikkunin. Tikkunin, it's like a jewelry. It, it fixes the soul. Jewelry is more than just a garment. A garment is completely external. You can take off, you can take on, you can put on, you can take off, you can change your garments, you can change your dresses and your suits ten times a day. It's not part of you. It's completely external. Someone cuts your dress or your suit. Doesn't, it doesn't hurt you. It's not part of you. 
so the world, the, the world of Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, the creation, is something that's separate, disconnected, it's like a garment. But jewelry is more than just a garment. Jewelry is something personal. It, you identify with it. It's an expression of The jewelry that you wear is an expression of you. So on one hand, it's a keli, it's a vessel, it's external, it's not you, but on the other hand, it is you. It becomes one with you. That's why he says, not only not only is Hashem and His light one and inseparable, but even even the vessel, which has its own source, which seems to be separate and apart. And even that becomes completely inseparable, completely one with Hashem. With, with, with Hashem. Just like the body becomes one with the soul, and like jewelry, which really is an expression of you, it, it's more personal. It's not just external and superficial. This is the this is the zoyar, and that's how he explains iva chayoyichad iva gamoyichad. There are other explanations in the Kabbalah. What chayoyi refers to, what gamoyi refers to, within the ten svirot itself, the higher svirot, the lower svirot, but here the Alter Rebbe goes with the interpretation that Chayoyi refers to the lights of the Svirot, and Gamoyi goes to the vessels, the Kalim, that contain the light and express the light. And he says, Hashem and His lights are one, and Hashem and His vessels are one, that are all godly. That even the vessels of the world of Atsilas are godly. Not only the energies of the world of Atsilas, but even the vessels are godly. They're expressions of godliness. No one's going to say Hashem is wisdom and Hashem is understanding and Hashem is knowledge, Hashem is love. But it's Hashem's wisdom. So it's, an, it's godly. It's an expression of godliness. It's not Hashem himself. Just like the light is not either Hashem himself. The light of the sun is not the sun. It's a reflection of the sun. It's a ray of the sun. It's a, it's a, it's an exp- but nevertheless, it's not separate from the sun. The light of the sun is, is the light of the sun. So just like the gl- light of the world of Atsilas, Hashem and His lights are one, you're not going to say the light is Hashem Himself. It's godly. It's godly light. It's, it's godliness. It's nothing separate from it. Even the vessels that contain the light are also inseparable and one with Hashem. Just like in the analogy, the body is inseparable and one from the soul. And that's what the... Tikkun Ezer says. His life-giving emanations, these are the lights, the arod of the spherot. And his causations, these are the vessels, the kalim of the spherot. They are all one with the infinite ein self light, for they are divinity. This is not the case in the worlds of Berea, the Yitzhir, and the Siyah, and so on. In these lower worlds, the kalim of the spherot, as well as a distinct measure of the orod, are not the divinity, but created beings. Now it needs to be clearly understood how the Ein Sof is one with his causations, i.e. with the Kalim of the Sphirot. For the Kalim are limited and finite, as it is stated in Eitz The ten Sphirot, Chachma, Bina, Das, Wisdom, Understanding, and all, etc., not only that it's defined, Hashem is undefined. Not only is Hashem unlimited, infinite, Hashem is also undefined. You can't define Hashem as wisdom. You can't define Hashem as love. Hashem is undefined. When you say Chachm and Bina, it's a definition. It's wisdom 
And it's not love. Wisdom and love are two separate things. Emotions and intellect are two separate worlds. So you're defining. But then you can also have infinite wisdom. Infinite love. But he's saying that the vessel is limited. Not only is it defined, that the vessel defines that it's wisdom and understanding and knowledge. As we discussed the other week, the analogy in the Kabbalah, it's like you take light and you put it through a prism. So you get the yellow light and red light and green light. It's the same light. The light is undifferentiated. But when the light is received through the different vessels, through the different... Now I get wisdom and now I get love and now I get compassion. I get all the ten spheres. So it not only is it differentiated and defined, but it's infinite, yet it's infinite. He says, no. The kalim itself are finite. What does that mean? What do you mean the kalim is finite? Kalim of Attilas, the vessels of Attilas, the world of emanation, the divine world of emanation. It's godly. You just finished saying it's godly. How can you say it's finite? What do you mean it's finite? So the Samach Tzedek explains based on the Avedis HaKadosh. Avedis HaKadosh says, what is the world of emanation? And how can you say there's only ten spherot? How could you call the world of emanation godly if there's only ten? Ten is limited. It's ten and not eleven. God is infinite. God is not defined and God is infinite. He created ten spherot. He could have created a trillion spherot. 11 spherot, 20 spherot, 100 spherot, 1,000, a billion, a million, a zillion, what? Trillion, a zillion, what? God is not limited. How could you say this 10 spherot? And he explains. Because to say that God is infinite, is also a limitation. Because then you're defining God. God has to be infinite. He can't be finite. We cannot impose any limitation on God, including the inv- limitation of saying that God is infinite. If you're saying that God only has the ability to express Himself in, in an infinite way, then you're limiting God. God is infinite. You're straight-jacketing God. God is infinite. Can't be finite. God is neither infinite. God is neither finite. God is completely... We have no idea what God is. God is so beyond us. We can't even begin. The moment we open our mouths, we say anything about God, it's already not God. So God is... That's why God could do anything. He's not limited. God's ability... God can do anything. He's so beyond limitation that he's, he's even not even limited to being infinite. So much so, he could even be finite. If God wants and desires, he could be finite, he could be infinite, he could be both together, he could be neither, he could be both he could be together. So God is so, is so beyond definition and so beyond so infinite that he's not limited to define, not limited to being infinite. He can even be finite. So God has the ability to express himself in a finite way. And that's what the spherot are. 
the Svirot of Atzilus, the ten Svirot, the ten vessels of Atzilus, this is God's ability to limit Himself. So yes, it's, it's limited. It's defined and it's limited. But it's God's ability to limit Himself. Deliberately and willingly has the ability to limit Himself. So it's not truly limited. On the contrary, it's an expression of God being so unlimited that He's not even limited to being unlimited and therefore He can even express Himself in a limited way. How is that expressed with the ten sphere of The Medrash says, when the angels met Adam, when Adam was created, he says, the whole world bowed down to Adam. The angels thought that he was God. How could the angels confuse man for God? Man is finite, man is limited. How How could they confuse man for God? They bow down to him. Because what's unique and what's wondrous about man is, and nothing like man exists in the whole universe. That's what it means we're creating the image of God. Because everything in this universe is one dimension, everything has one ability, one aspect. Animals, animals are a kind, the animals are cruel. Angels who are loving, angels who are filled with awe. Man is the only creature in the universe that contains the whole universe. We have intellect, we have emotions, we have the full kaleidoscope of emotions, we have the right and we have the left within us, we have kindness, we have strength, we have compassion, we have body, we're soul. The angels have never seen anything like it. So yes, man is limited, but the fact that man could contain everything within one entity, that one entity should be so colorful and so, should be so multitasking, should be able to, to include within himself, within one organism, should be able to include within himself opposites and everything from the top all the way down, from the intellect to the emotions to the, to the physical and right and left. And they've never seen anything like that. This is an expression of something infinite, of something truly infinite, something wondrous, something that's beyond, that's godly. It is a godly ability to be able to express and contain all these opposites and all these different characters together. So yes, it's ten. And yes, it's limited. When they bowed down to Adam, Adam was limited. As great as he was, he was limited. How could they bow down to him? What do you mean? They thought he was God? Yes, he's limited and finite and defined. But what they saw was an expression of something completely undefined, completely infinite. The fact that he can contain all these, has the ability to contain all these opposites. It's just an expression of Hashem's, Hashem's ability. Hashem is so not limited that he's not limited to being unlimited and can even express himself in a finite way. So Hashem's ability to create something finite, 
to express himself as something. In other words, when you talk about the kalim, the vessels, it's not, it's limited, but what does it express? How unlimited Hashem is. He's so unlimited. He even transcends being infinite that he's able to express himself even in something finite. So it's not about the finite, it's about the ability of Hashem. And Hashem's ultimate ability to express himself even in something finite. So yes, the kalim are limited, but they're godly. They're expression of Hashem's ability to limit himself. And as a result of the kalim, as a result of the vessels, this enabled, this allowed, through the vessels, Hashem created this finite world. Without the vessels, Hashem could not create a finite world. It's only through Hashem's ability, Hashem revealing His ability to limit Himself and to concentrate Himself and to express Himself deliberately and willingly express Himself in a finite way. It's that ability that through which Hashem created this finite, limited world. So this is the kalim of Atzilus. It's the expression of Hashem's ability to limit Himself. Which is why the vessels of the world of emanation have their own source. It's not just the manifestation of the light. The expression of the light. It comes from a much deeper source. It comes from Hashem's ability to express Himself in a limited way. But that ability is also infinite. It's also unlimited. Hashem's ability to express Himself in a finite way is also... It's Hashem. It's Hashem's infinite ability. So yes, it's limited, but it's godly. It's not limited like we are limited. We are limited because we're created beings. We're separate from Hashem. But the vessels of Atzillus, even though they're limited, they're not separate from Hashem. They're expression of Hashem's ability to express Himself in a limited way. But the question the Alter Rebbe asks, nevertheless, how could you say that Hashem and the vessels are one? After all, the vessel is Hashem's ability to express Himself in a limited and finite way. How could you say that they're one with the infinite? The infinite is infinite, and the finite is finite. So yes, I understand that it's godly. It's an expression of Hashem's ability to limit Himself. But how could the infinite and the finite be one? It makes sense to say that Hashem and His lights are one. Hashem and His life are one, are inseparable. Because the light reflects the source, just like the source is infinite, the light is also infinite. But the vessels, which are Hashem's ability to limit Himself, how could you say that Hashem and His vessels are one? How could they be one? Infinite and finite are opposite. So if you're talking about Hashem's ability, yes, Hashem's ability Hashem has the ability to express Himself in an infinite way, and He also has the ability to express Himself in a finite But in the world of emanation, 
where this ability is manifest. You have the vessels, which are manifestations of Hashem's ability to limit. And then you have Hashem's light, which is Hashem's ability, manifestation of Hashem's ability to be infinite. How could the infinite and the finite be one? When they're manifest, how could they be one? This is manifestly kalim, a vessel. And this is a manifestation of Hashem's infinite. So how could the infinite and the vessels be one? And Dr. Rebbe is going to answer and he says, you're right, they cannot be one, but the Zohar says they are one. So he explains, the answer is they're one, only, continue, however. However, the intention of the statement that the Ein Sof is one with this Kalim is to say that they are divinity with regard to creating something out of nothing, just as the Ein Sof is capable of doing. Creating something out of nothing is a capability hidden only in the bosom of the Creator. As our sages of blessed memory expressed that if all the world's inhabitants were to assemble, they would be unable to create the wings of a gnat and place within it a soul. It is with respect to this that the Ein Sof is one with the Kalim of the ten spirit of Atsilu. Through them, something is created out of nothing. In this respect, the Kalim are divinity. So he's answering, yes, the infinite and the finite cannot be one, even if they're both godly. Infinite is infinite and finite is finite. But what the Tikkuni Zohar means is, in relationship to creation, because in order to create, you need the infinite. It's only through the infinite that you can create something from nothing. It's not within the vessel. Something that's limited cannot create something from nothing. It's only the manifestation of Hashem is infinite. Only that has the power to create something from nothing. But on the other hand, in order to create the world, the finite, limited world, it's only when this infinite light merges with the kalim, with the vessel, and through the vessel, it's able to create something from nothing. So it's, so it's not that the infinite and the finite are one. They're, they're, how could the infinite and the finite become one? But to create something from nothing, the infinite and the finite merge, they become inseparable, and therefore they're able to create something from nothing. Because even the vessels are godly and have the ability to create something from nothing. And not merely by way of an evolution from Elah cause to Elul effect, as links in a causal progression, wherein a being, the Elul, or effect, evolves of itself from its Elah, or cause. As for the statement of Rav Moshe um, Pedavero, okay, that okay. creative development in the Spheros takes place by way of, a, of Elah and Elul, so too is it stated in the sacred Zohar, Parsha Breshi. This refers to the evolution of the spherot within the spherot themselves, whereby one spherot evolves from another, e.g. Bina from Kafa. With respect to the Kalim, which are termed Belima, without anything, in superior Yitzira, in the Book of Formation. The text there reads, ten spherot without anything, their measure is ten because they are not in the category of a substance, yet, nor of a nature that is apprehensible to created beings, like the Ein Sof. 
with whom, whom thought cannot grasp at all. So too are the kalim of the zero called veli ma, without anything tangible and comprehensible by created beings. Since the spirit are not of an apprehensible substance, they are without anything. They evolve from one another as ila and alu rather than being created as something from nothing. The Alter Rebbe will now show that the kalim of the sphero are not of an apprehensible nature. There are two types of cause and effect. One we'll discuss later and one we're discussing here. Here, he's talking about a cause and effect where one sphero evolves from the next sphero. Bina evolves from Chachma. Understanding evolves from wisdom. Dat understand evolves. And then Chesed and Gevura. Each sphero leads to the next. So Chachma wisdom was created something from nothing. But then the other spherot evolved from Chachma. One leads to the next. And each sphero, the owl, the effect, is completely one and nullified within its cause. It's inseparable from its cause. It senses its cause, it appreciates its cause, it knows its cause, and is completely one with its cause. It's swallowed up in its cause. Its whole being is evolved, is swallowed up in its cause. For example, you're trying to understand something very, very deep. It's way beyond your understanding. Maybe like the things we're learning. <laughs> so you deepen your mind. You go very deep into the subject, but you're lost in the subject. You're completely surrounded by the subject. Your mind, your brain, your mind, your capacity to understand is completely swallowed up in the subject because it's so, so much deeper than you. So you're completely lost in the subject. You're one with the subject now. Like the brain of the teacher is so much superior to the student that the whole concept that he's explaining to the student is all swallowed up in the brain, in the brain of the teacher, in the mind and understanding of the teacher. So this is the idea that he's discussing here, il of The ol, the effect, is completely surrounded by the ila, by the cause. And it evolves. One, the higher, low, the higher level leads to the lower level, leads to the lower level. It evolves from the higher level. So they're, they're, they're connected. They're very strongly connected. You can't have one without the other. It's like the link in the train. You can't have one link without the other link. One is linked to the other, is, is surrounded by the other. One link is surrounded by the other, by the higher link. The lower link is surrounded by the higher link. Like one circle within another circle within another circle. That's a better way to look at it. So the inner circle is surrounded by the outer circle. And then it forms another circle, but it's surrounded by the other circle. So it's all, they're all within each other. They're all surrounded by the, by the higher circle. The lower circle is surrounded by the higher circle, surrounded by the higher circle, all contained within each other. They're not separate. There's no separation. That's why he says that the svirot are called blima. There's no separate entity. They're not separate. There's nothing. There's no separation. There's no, it's not a separate entity. The chesed, the gevura, the tferes, and that's all the svirot are not separate from each other. They're all like one with each, with each other. It's not separate. It's like uh, the analogy the Zohar gives of coals, right? So you have 
10 different coals, right? But then you blow the flame, and it's the same flame. One fire. It's all one fire. See, here he's saying it's like concentric circles, one within the other, within the other, within the other. So it's all, it's all, it's all together. You can't separate. Yes, it's ten spherot, but they're all one. They're all, sep- they're all inseparable. It's not like separate entities. In the world of creation, in the world of formation, in the world of action, it's separate entities. Everything is a world apart. Here it's ten spherot, but they're all interlinked, interconnected. They're all, they're all one. They're all within each other. They're all connected to each other. They're all one with each other. They're not separate. So the world of Atsilas is not something from nothing. Yes, they all evolve from each other. But even as they evolve, they're all like a concentric circle, one within the other, within the other, within the other. They all remain connected. They're all one. They're all inseparable. One is swallowed up in the other. One is just evolved from the other. But they still remain connected. And they all... So it's not something from nothing. So the world of Atsilas, even though it also evolves and the one sphere evolves from the other sphere, but it's not a creation. It's not a separation. It's like the coal within the fire within the coal. It's, it's inseparable. It's not a separate entity. It's nothing. Their measures are ten. They are ten, but they're not distinct. They're all one. They're ten and they're one. That's the world of emanation. That's why it's a godly world. And that's why they're godly. Just like God himself is godly, is infinite. Even the ten spherot, even the vessels, even are also godly. An expression of godliness. They're not separate. It's not a creation, a separate, apart from Hashem. And that's what he continues now. That even the vessels also are godly. And remain Godly and incomprehensible and beyond our comprehension, as it is written uh, in my face, um, shall not be seen. The aspect of divinity terms my face, referring as it does also to the uh, of the Kelim, remained hidden even from Moshe Rabbeinu, transcending even his vision and uh, comprehension. The prophecy. And a creation of Moshe Rabbeinu, peace to him, related to the upper rank of Netzach of the Zeir Anpin. As mentioned in the previous letter, the Sefirot of Netzach, Hod and Yesod, are merely the conduits by which the flow of five giving lights reaches the recipient, i.e., uh, they are merely the Externality of the Sephirot rather than the internal level called Panim. He's saying that we learned in the last letter, in the previous letter, that the inner part, Uponai, my face, Pnimiyut, the inner part of the vessels, Moshe couldn't comprehend. Moshe's comprehension, his prophecy, was only the external part of the vessels. In general, the external part of the Sephirot which are the netzachoid yisoy, which are like the legs, the internal are the brain, then you have the heart. The legs are just to go forward, to move you forward. It's not internal. It's not part of a person. A person could live, survive without, but it helps you go forward. So, so the inner part of the vessels, Moshe couldn't comprehend, Moshe couldn't perceive. 
the whole prophecy, the whole vision of Moshe and his prophecy, he was able to perceive was the external level of the vessel. So the internal level of the vessels is incomprehensible. You cannot perceive. It's godly. So therefore it's all part of the ill of Ol. It's not a separate entity. Continue. And in the evolution. And in the evolution, the Alul, before it emerged as a distinct entity, uh, is encompassed by its Ila. And it is in the state of the utter self uh, modification in relation to it, just as a ray of the sun uh, loses any independent identity and is essentially non existent when it is within the sun. This is true even after the Alul evolves from the Ilan and is revealed as a distinct entity. Even then, it is uh, essentially non-existent in relation to its Ilan, and the same holds true with regard to the manner in which one Sephira evolves from another, that which is drawn down and revealed is totally uh, nullified to the Ilah from which it evolves, as stated in the Cordes by the Moses Corbevero. It will thus be impossible to create a substantive being, a yesh, that has a sense of existence independent of its source. So, uh, through the process of Ilah, so he's saying that the, the ten svirot, even though they evolve, bina evolves from chachman and that evolves from bina and then chesed and gevura, so it's a whole chain. So the svirot are like they evolve, but he says it's like the light of the sun. They still remain within the sun. It's like the light of the sun within the sun. They still remain within the source. They're still surrounded by the source. They're still inseparable from the source. They're still swallowed up by the source. So they're not separate entities. So in order to create this world where everything is separate, and not only this world, even the kal- even the kalim, and the nefesh ruach of bria, the world of action and the world, the world of creation, the world of formation, which are separate entities, it cannot come about through the process of ilav ol, through cause and effect. This is only in atzilus. Only in atzilus, but in order—that's what he's saying—in order to create something from nothing, it could only come about. He says he's going to explain. It could only come about through It's only come about when Hashem and His infinite light and His infinite self and His infinite reflection merges with the Kalim, which are godly, then they're able to create something from nothing, a separate entity. Because it cannot come about through the world of emanation. In other words, the world of emanation cannot give birth to a world of separation. It could only come about through Hashem Himself. The world of emanation, this process, the world of emanation itself has also evolved through a process. But this process cannot give birth to something separate, to a separate entity. Because this process of Ilava Allah, no matter how much it evolves, it's still one. 
it's still inseparable from the, from the original cause. It's still, it's like concentric circles that swallowed up within its source. It's not separate, it's not a separate entity. It cannot feel itself as a separate entity. It's completely unified with its source. And that's why the, the, the Kabbalah, the Zohar says that the, the ten Sfirot, that's why it says in the Kabbalah, the ten Sfirot are, are nothing. They're ten and yet they're nothing. And they're one. They're inseparable. So no matter how much it evolved, no matter how much it evolves, it cannot be separate. You cannot get from here to there. How do you get into, how do you, you can't evolve into a separate being. It will always remain godly and connected. Even though it's going lower and lower. Chachma is higher, and then Bina, the next level, and, then, and goes lower and lower and lower. No matter how low you get, it's still connected to its source, swallowed up in its source, senses its source, inseparable from its source, and it's one. And there's no separate entities. It's it's nothing. There's no separation. That's why it's called the world of emanation. It's the world that's one with Hashem. It's godly. It's an expression of godliness. So not only the lights of Atzillus, even the vessels of Atzillus, everything in Atzillus is still ilavaolul, is still connected. It's like the coal and the fire. It's, it's, you can't separate. It's there, the fire. Ten coals, it's one fire. You can't, there's no separation. So how do you get something from nothing? Separation. Differentiation. How does that happen? How is that possible? And then he says even more so. In top of page 363, now we're talking about a different level of ilavol. Not the same. Here we discussed ilavol, cause and effect in the world of emanation. Whereas he said the light isn't like the light within the sun. It's inseparable. It's like concentric circles, one within the other, within the other. So it's all swallowed up and all inseparable. No matter how many circles, they're still all one and connected. And, and Here we're talking about Within the world of creation, everything in our world is cause and effect. We live in the world of cause and effect. Everything has a cause and everything has an effect. The whole universe is based on cause and effect. Everything has a rule, everything has a law, everything has a reason. Everything in this world really is cause and effect. Everything evolves. Take, for example, something simple. You have... Sweetness, right? The sweetness in the apple, sweetness in the fruit. That sweetness evolves from a higher sweetness. Let's say the sweetness of love, the sweetness of kindness, the sweetness of doing someone a favor. There's a sweetness. It's a lot sweeter than the apple. (laughs) Someone who appreciates the sweetness of love and of kindness and of goodness, you can't even compare the sweetness of the apple, the sweetness of food, to the sweetness of wine, to the sweetness of emotional sweetness. And that sweetness cannot compare to the sweetness of understanding a concept. You learn something new, something that opens your mind, something that's breathtaking, so sweet, such an idea, the idea is so sweet. And the, idea, the sweetness of an idea cannot compare to the sweetness 
of a spiritual experience. That's such a sweet spiritual experience. So these are all different levels of sweetness. One sweetness evolves from the other sweetness. Of course, you can't compare the sweetness of a piece of fruit, a food, to the sweetness, emotional sweetness, intellectual sweetness, spiritual sweetness. But it can go on and on and on. So it's, this, it's the same level, it's the same sweetness, but it manifests itself in different ways. Sweetness can manifest itself in the angelic world, in the spiritual world, in the intellectual world, conceptual world, in the emotional world, in the physical world. It's the same sweetness, but it evolves. Lower level, a lower level, a lower level. Everything in this world evolves. Everything in the world is what we call hishtal shalut. cause and effect. One leads to the next. A more higher spiritual sublime level manifests itself. When sweetness manifests itself in the lower world, it's the same idea, it's sweetness, but it comes out in a whole different way. So everything in this world is really a manifestation of something higher. We are just a reflection. We're like the tip of the iceberg reflecting something higher. For example, the the life of the animals. The energy of the animals. Where does the energy of the animals come from? The soul of the animals. The souls of the animals ultimately come, evolve from the angels. That's why the angels, when Ezekiel saw the chariot, he described it as the face, the face of the angels, the face of a lion, the face of an axe, the face of an of a eagle. What does, what does, an angel is an eagle, an angel is an axe, an angel is a lion. But the soul of the lion, the energy of the lion, where did this energy come from? The unique energy of the lion. The king of the animals, where does it come from? The strength, the courage of the, the lion, where does it come from? It comes from the, ultimately it comes from the soul, the angel. The soul of the angel. When the soul of the angel is manifest in this world, <laughs> you get a lion. So everything in this world has a root, has a source, has, everything evolves from a higher level manifests itself from a higher dimension to a lower dimension to a lower dimension to a lower dimension and ad infinitum it goes on and on just like the analogy of the sweetness you can say it's sweetness manifesting itself in many many different levels so too you have the lion manifesting itself in the world in the spiritual world it manifests itself as an angel and then it comes down to this world it's a lion of course When you look at the lion, you're not looking at an angel. <laughs> this is not like the cause and effect that we learned earlier in the world of emanation, where they're inseparable and they're one and concentric. No, here, you, you can't even see the connection. I look at a lion, I see a vildechaya, I see a wild animal, a non-kosher animal. I, you know, it's not an angel. Don't confuse the lion for the angel. <laughs> Don't say, well, I, learned in, I just learned in Tanya that this lion is an angel. Let me invite him into my house. So this angel is going to kill you. Don't be a fool. This is not... But everything, ultimately, everything ultimately evolves and comes from a higher, higher, higher. It's just a manifestation from a higher... So he says, even this illavalil, he's going to say, even this lower understanding of illavalil, this lower idea of cause and effect, no matter how much it evolves, 
it will never evolve into something physical. Into something material. Yes, this can manifest itself. The soul of the angel ultimately can manifest itself into the soul, into the soul of the animal. But not the physical body of the animal. Yeah, the, the, the soul of the animal, the, the life of the animal. The life of the animal. Soul of the animal, the life of the animal. The energy of the animal. There's an energy, there's a uh, characteristic. The animal has a characteristic. It's alive, it has a soul. It's a, it's a, it's nef- it has a nefesh abamis. It's, a, it's an animal soul. It has a life of a soul. The, the, the or, animal life has a life. The life of the animal is a manifestation, the lowest manifestation of the angelic being. But how do you manifest into the physical animal? You're talking about the life of the animal. The energy of the animal. Soul of the animal. But how do you manifest itself into the physical animal? How do you get from the angel to the physical animal? To earth. To the physical body. To the physical tree. Yes, everything in this world has a source and has a a root and evolves but how do you get to the physical you can have infinite you can have infinite chain reactions and evolvement you'll never ever end up with the physical it's like an abrupt how do you get from here to there how do you get from pure energy matter is pure energy how do you get from the atom to the physical how exactly? Where, 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 this, where do you see this in the atom? Where do you see this table in the atom? Where do you see the table in energy? Energy and, and, and physical are two opposites. Matter and energy are two opposites. How do you get from the pure energy to, to the physical? So this manifestation could only take place in the energy, in the spiritual, in the soul, in the characteristic, in the... But how do you end up in the physical and the material? It's not within the capacity of Ishtalshulus. That's the point he's trying to make. Creation, something from nothing, creation cannot come about through this process that we call Ilaval. Not in the process of Ilaval the way it is in the world of emanation. Surely not. And not even in the process of Ilaval that we find manifest in our world which only accounts for the spirit, the soul, the energy. The energy is involved. Sweetness evolves, yes, that makes sense. But how do you end up with a physical apple? How do you end up with a physical body? There's no explanation for that. There's no logical explanation for that. Ilavol is logical. Manifestation leads to the next manifestation, to projection, to the next projection. It evolves. But something from nothing is completely illogical. It's a leap. There's nothing that prepares you for it. It's an impossibility. How do you get from the spirit, from the soul, from the energy to the matter? How do you get from the atom to the matter? Makes no sense. Yes, even numerous constructions, even enough to make this screen light utterly dissimilar to the original light, will not avail to bring about matter 
dance as earth by way of evolution from the spirituality of abstract intelligences, not even by way of an evolution from the spirituality, insertion by the Rabbi Shalita of the abstract intelligences of the angels. Angels, too, are composed of matter and form. However, since even their matter is composed of spiritual elements, coarse matter such as earth will not result, even after a multitude of contractions. For in the evolving and descending chain-like progression called Hishtal Shalut, the lowest link remains connected, i.e., retains some qualitative relationship to the higher Nachmanari says that the angels also have bodies. As King David says, some Barchinafshi, 104, He says there are four elements. There's earth, there's liquid, then there's gas, and there's fire, energy. So we are comprised of all four elements. This world, the physical, all physical entities are comprised of all four elements. Different combinations which creates the different, different uh, results. The angels only have Ruach and Esh. The spiritual, which are more like spiritual entities. That's why we can't see them and we can't. But someone who has a sharp eye someone who's more spiritually in tune is able to see an angel because they have, they have also bodies and soul they have a soul and they have a body only the souls don't have any bodies the souls before it comes into the body the souls in heaven and after 120 don't have any bodies but the angels have bodies but they're very spiritual bodies they're very, you can't see it with the naked eye but they have spiritual bodies where you're able to see that's why it says the angels sing songs. The angels are constantly praising Hashem, the shira, the song of the angels. Because they have bodies. Because they have bodies, that's why they're constantly singing Hashem. And if you, you were able to have a sharp ear, <laughs> you're able to hear the song of the angels. If you're spiritually sensitive, you're able to pick up and hear the song of the angels, singing Hashem's praises. Um, so they, they have bodies but nevertheless they're spiritual entities they're spiritual bodies so there's no way that their bodies could evolve into the physical because Ilava Olu is like a chain one chain is connected to the other chains even if it have a thousand chains infinite, no matter how many chains you have the lowest chain is still connected to the highest chain so it has to have some connection so it has to be spiritual so how do you get from spiritual no matter how much it evolves, you'll never get to something physical. It's like an abrupt leap, an abrupt change, an abrupt, suddenly I'm spiritual and suddenly next thing I know I see, I see a table. How, how, do you, how do you get from pure atoms, which are extrasensory, which are pure energy, how, do you, how does it manifest itself into a physical table? It's a mystery. It's a wonder. It's a startling phenomenon. It's a shock. It's a surprise. It makes no sense. It doesn't follow. It's not logical. It doesn't follow. When you say something evolves from the next, it follows. It's logical. The mother gives birth to the baby. It's logical. The baby was in the mother's womb and then the baby emerges. The emotions were part of the intellect. The intellect 
was pregnant with emotion. You understand something well, it leads you to a certain feeling of this is good or a sense that this is bad, which leads to emotions, which is this is good for me and this is bad for me. I'm repulsed by it. I love it. I'm attracted to it, which gives birth to thought. You think about things that you feel about, you care about, which leads birth, gives birth to, th- to, to th- speaking. You speak about things that you're constantly thinking about, which leads to action. This, this is a logical Evolvement. One step leads to the next step. But they're all connected. It's like a chain. So even the action is connected to the original concept. The concept led to the emotions, which led to the thought, which led to the speech, which led to the action. They're all connected. So even though it's very distant, uh, five, separation, five degrees of separation, but they're all connected. This is your social. One evolve, it evolves, one leads to the next, one gives birth to the next, but they all remain connected. As far and as distant as they may be, the last chain, the lowest chain to the highest chain, but they, since they evolve from each other, they're all relative. They're all still in the same universe, in the same realm. But physical and spiritual are not in the same universe. Like different realities. Different entities. And what they represent is completely different. There's no connection. They will only come into being as a result of this graduated evolvement. The spirit of an animal that derives from the face of the ox of the celestial chariot. Although the spirit that animates the body of an animal can in no way be compared to its spiritual source in the face of the ox of the the chariot. By means of stashalit, the soul of an animal can eventually evolve from there, since the soul, too, is spiritual in nature, stashalit, however, it cannot result in the innovative creation of physical of a physical entity from something spiritual. There's evolving and there's innov- innovation. Stashalit ultimately is not innovation, it's evolvement. This takes up another form, it manifests in a different form. So it, it, it's evolving, it's all a manifestation of the same thing, but in a different, in a lower level, in a lower level, but it's still an extension. It's still an expression, an extension. You can see some similarity. You look at the soul and the characteristic of the animal, it gives you some, some sense of its origin. Physical is not a manifestation, is not a, an extension of the spiritual. It's the opposite. It's completely different. It's a whole new world. It's a whole different entity. All different reality. Physical and spiritual are two opposite. It's not an extension. It's not an evolvement. It's not an expression. It's not that I look at the physical and I realize I see the source. I don't see I physical and spiritual. I don't see anything spiritual in the physical. It's the exact opposite of spiritual. The antithesis of spiritual. Explain elsewhere. Examine it well. The Rebbe Shlita notes that this may be referring, for example, to the discourse entitled The Veal of Ush Malchut in Torah Or. The Alter Rebbe explains there that in a certain sense, even the supernal Chachma of is an, is an entity inasmuch as it is designated as Chachma, as opposed to Ayan, the state of nothingness. Therefore, it too cannot come into being by means of evolvement from the Ayan self. It too must come about through the process of something from nothing. 
Indeed, as the verse states, Chachma derives from Ayin. Chachma emerges from its source in the manner of something from nothing. Here, however, we are not speaking of creation as it comes about from the Ayin Sof, but rather as it results from spirituality in general, even from a spiritual level such as that of the abstract intelligences, i.e. the angels. It is with regard to this that we say that Hishtal can only result in the soul of an animal deriving from the face of the ox of the celestial chariot. It cannot bring into being the physical body of an animal. He's saying we're not talking about the creation, the emanation of Chachma. It's also called a Chachma Me'ayin. Chachma comes from nothing because the distance between Hashem, His infinite self, and Chachma is greater than the distance between Chachma wisdom of the world of emanation and the stone. It's so distant that to Hashem, the wisdom of the world of emanation and the stone are all the same. That's how distant. Hashem is so beyond, is so transcendent, is so beyond even the wisdom, divine wisdom of the world of emanation, which is godly wisdom. Hashem is so far removed and beyond the godly wisdom that Hashem, the stone and wisdom are all the same. That's why wisdom is also from nothing. How do you get from the infinite to wisdom? The same question he's asking here. How do you get from the spiritual to physical? How do you get from the infinite to divine wisdom? To, to something defined and wisdom? Hashem is so undefined. Hashem is so infinite, undefined. How could you say Hashem and wisdom? Hashem is so distant from wisdom. Equally distant as he is from a stone. Just like Hashem is not a stone, Hashem is not wisdom. So wisdom, divine wisdom, is also something from nothing. But that's not what he's talking about here. Because, yes, the wisdom of the divine of emanation, of the world of emanation, the divine wisdom of the world of emanation, comes from nothing. But it's godly. It knows that it comes from nothing. There, the interpretation is Chachma Me'ayin. Where do I come from? I know that I come from something. And it's a mystery to me. I don't know where I came from. Suddenly, out of the blue, suddenly I came. It's like wisdom. We discussed last week. The Eureka moment. Something pops into your head. So I know it just popped into my head from nowhere. I'm wondering. I'm clueless. I have no clue where it came from. But I know that it comes from somewhere. And I'm wondering, where does it come from? Where does this come from? So I know I have something inside of me, the subconscious. I know there's something, but I don't know what it is. It just like a revelation just popped into my head, seemingly out of nowhere. I know it's not true. I know it, that's come, it came from within me. But and I'm wondering, where does it come from? But I know, I have, I know it, I come from somewhere. It comes from somewhere. Here we're talking about the physical creation. The physical creation, when you look at the tree, you look at yourself, you see the physical, no one sits and wonders, where does this body come from? (laughs) Where does this table come from? Where do I come from? People go through their entire life and never even ask the question once. This is truly something from nothing. Something. I exist, period. I come from somewhere. I have a root, I have a source. It's as if it begins right here. 
There's no root, there is no source, there's no reason, there's no rhyme. I am. I don't even wonder where do I come from. It's not me'ayin, yes, me'ayin, I come from somewhere. I'm wondering where do I come from. Because the, the, the wisdom of the divine emanation knows it has a source. It doesn't know what the source is. It has no clue what, when, where, but I know that I come from somewhere. It popped into my head. I know it popped into my head suddenly out of nowhere. So I know it's sudden. And I know it's, it's a mystery. And I know it's a, it's a, it's a wonderment. Where, where does this come from out of nowhere? We don't have that wonder. We don't have that mystery. We don't ask any questions. It doesn't bother us. We don't sense, oh, suddenly I appeared. Wow, look at this astonishing fact. There's a table. Look at this astonishing fact. That there's, a, there's a lion. There's an animal. There's a body. Look at this astonishing fact. There's an apple. There's, a, there's eye. We don't, we're not astonished. <laughs> we're not in the sense of state of wonderment. <laughs> we're not thinking. We're not questioning. We're not wondering. We're not astonished. We take our existence for granted as if, as if it's the most natural thing in the world. We take our egos for granted. It's the most natural thing in the world. It's the most comfortable, natural reality. We don't even question. We're not wondering. When someone starts questioning, that's the wonder. Oh, you must be some religious fanatic. What's, what's bug, bugging you? Go enjoy life. Have fun. What are you, what are you, what's, bug, what's pushing you to come to a Tanya class in the middle of the night? You could be enjoying yourself. What, what, what's quetching you? What's bothering you? What's bugging you? It's the most comfortable thing in the world. Just feels so natural. Existence. I don't need a rhyme. I don't need a reason. I don't need an excuse. I don't need a rationalization. I, don't... I am. Period. This is what he's discussing here. Where does this come from? This cannot evolve from, from the soul of the angels or from the spiritual realms. Because spirituality knows it has a source. How do you get something physical that doesn't know it has a source, doesn't even wonder if it has a source, doesn't even question? Just takes its existence for granted and wants to continue its existence. The most powerful force in everything physical in this world is self-preservation, continue my existence. No rhyme, no reason. I don't have to have a meaning. I don't have to have a purpose. I am, period. And I want to continue this existence forever and ever. We don't, but it's, it, it's a too. tragedy. But it's a tragedy. We can't accept it. Uh, yes, we know intellectually, but we can't face death. Death is so horrific. It's so traumatic because, what do you mean? I should live forever. Why, why should my, how can my existence stop abruptly all of a sudden? Spirituality has no problem in becoming extinct. Because spirituality, and that's why spirituality doesn't become extinct. <laughs> spirituality is egoist. So, so what, what are you going to do? You're going to nullify something that's egoless? How can you nullify something that's egoless? You nullify it, it's, it's very happy, it's fine. So you can't nullify spirituality, because spirituality is, it's okay. If I have meaning, it's here. If, it's, if there's no meaning and no purpose, then I'm out of here. But the physical says, I am here. I don't have to have a meaning, and I don't have to have a purpose. I just exist just because I exist. That's it. And therefore, there's no reason why I can. There's no reason. If there's no reason, then my existence has to continue, and I can't accept self-extinction, self-nullification. It goes contrary to my whole being, my whole ego. Yes, but we can't accept it emotionally, psychologically. We can't accept it. That's why death is so traumatic, because the way the ego. That's what he's talking about. Yes, ego, existence, being. 
Where does this come from? This can't come from anything spiritual. It can't, it's not a manifestation of something spiritual. Spirituality doesn't have that sense. Spirituality senses that it is, does have a source. But how can, where does ego come from? Ego is not something that evolves. You don't evolve into ego. You evolve into soul, into energy. Everything evolves. Everything spiritual evolves. But physical, material, something, as it's manifest in this physical world, ego, self-preservation, this doesn't evolve. This just is. Where does this come from? Do we continue? The animals also have everything physical has it. Everything in this world is about self-preservation. The most powerful force in this world, from the amoeba to the animal to the is continued to the tree, is to continue its existence. It's ego. To continue to exist. The physical. Talking about the physical. To continue to exist. No rhyme, no reason, no content. Just just is. I be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.